0: Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation. Basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon.
1: Joining us on Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nation's of Sea of Blue. Drew Brown, Aaron Gershon here. Um, sheesh, Aaron, it's been probably about 10 days, I think, since we recorded our last podcast. And literally the entire world has changed in that time.
0: <laughs> yep. It's a new normal. It, so, it, it, <laughs> it really is. It, it's like it a whole is. different world. So if you've never but, uh, listened
1: to the Cats about 90 podcast or, or haven't been, you know, here in a while, one, we appreciate you checking us out. I know that it's kind of a really weird time right now for content and Kentucky sports content and any sports content for that matter. But usually when we kick off the show, we do what we call the in my feelings segment where we kind of just go down Um, since the last time we had a podcast, which is usually a week or so, and just kind of go through one good thing that made you feel good that week and then one thing that really kind of pissed you off. So. Uh, This week's going to be quite easy, I think, for both of us, Aaron, to find kind of different things. But I'll say my good thing this week is, man, is like through all this, like you hit the nail on the head, like the new normal, like these life changes that everybody in the whole world essentially is kind of going through. It's kind of nice that it forces that family time. So I've been enjoying that. We bought a Wii. I built the basketball goal. So we've been doing some good family time. So that's the good for me. The bad would be that I am considered an essential worker in the workforce at the bank. So oh man, right. as to where most people are, you know, home working from home or maybe getting some time off, um, I'm still working, but my company's doing everything they can. They're, they're, you know, I, I understand it's very important to keep the banks open, but you know, it kind of sucks with the markets and stuff, just adding some stress in. But overall, man, and like you said, it is just a new normal. And it, I just can't believe where we're at. From this time last, you know, last week or about ten days ago, like I said, when we were, you know, anxiously awaiting to see if we we're going to, you know, be at the SEC tournament myself or what, and all that's gone. Yeah,
0: man, it's it's still hard to process. I guess I, I've kind of gotten over the fact that it's not happening, but it's just so weird, and it like it. it I, I just I don't even have the words for it. It's really hard to find the words for it, other than you know you got to try to find the positives in what's going on right now and hope that I think what's good about this whole situation is, um, it's bringing people together, whether they'd be different from social economic standpoints, from politics, whatever. I think it's, everyone has the same mission, which is, you know, flatten the curve and get life back to normal here. And, uh, but not having a tournament and knowing baseball season's delayed and all, it's just – I don't even know. It's like a whole – no one knows how to react because no, this hasn't happened before. Yeah, and we talked a few times. I,
1: I, was, I was just so depressed, man, like the last 10 days. I was not the type that was like watching other sports and stuff like that, you know, replays of games. I was just so down in the dumps. And I texted you like this weekend. I was like, man, I think I'm finally ready to jump on because <laughs> – I know a lot of people were looking for like different things to get them out of the dumps. And I was just not that guy. I'm still heartbroken. I still can't believe that there's going to be no closure with this team. And I want to do a little bit of roster breakdown and kind of what, what you foresee yeah. and get my opinion a little bit on, on next season here in a little bit. But yeah, man, it's just, I'm finally feeling a little better though. So I'm thankful. Um, now that the first weekend would officially be over, right? So we were, um, I was taking right. a walk with my wife. It was so nice out today. And I was like, you know, normally at this time, I would either be talking your ear off about who's our sweet 16 matchup and why they're so good and why they're going to beat us. Or I'd be, you know, in that awkward stage of lost in the first weekend, trying to snap out of it and just not to have any of the closure at all. is still getting under my skin, but getting better though. It's definitely better now that, like you said, I mean, it's, it's not happening. It's everything's done and it's just a matter of now, you know, public safety.
0: Yeah, exactly. It is a matter of public safety and, flattening that curve and getting everyone back to normal and you know the the whole i guess you could say thing last week with spring breakers and thinking that you know kids my age really are invincible is just not true i mean i've heard people my age on ventilators i've seen people as young as 28 die from this it's very serious whether you're you know young whether you're of course if you're older so everyone's got to take this serious stay home if you can obviously you know still go out Take a walk, take the dogs out, you know, hang out with your kids if you have them outside and go to the grocery store as need be. But just stay home, stay six feet away from people, and let's get this thing over with and get back to normal.
1: Well, I don't know if props is the right word, but man, I have to shout you out. And I've, I've told multiple people this, but man, I'll be honest, like it's probably two and a half, maybe. So this is, we're about to, we're recording right now, to believe it or not, episode 32 of the cats by 90 podcast. So I would say maybe like episode 30, at least maybe even 29, you were bringing up COVID-19 and like, Hey, this is something to keep your eye on for this postseason. And I'd be lying if I said at that point, I wasn't just kind of like half rolling my eyes. Like, man, this is, it's basketball time, you know, like whether it's no fans or what, like they're, they're not canceling these games. So you were out ahead of it, man. And you're definitely more mature than your age because you're right. It's just even like, it's just frustrating me. I said in my line of work and everything that like people just refuse to take this stuff serious and who knows, but it's just so, I can't wrap. There's just certain times when I'm like just flabbergasted and like want to scream and shout that like you said, this is the new normal and it's none of it's normal. It's crazy.
0: No, no, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Not being able to even go off to dinner or go walk through a mall. It's just like, now, you know, you can't really, if you live in a beach state, you can't walk on the beach. Uh, it's bizarre, uh, seeing pictures, for example, of New York City, um, deserted and Chicago and all these big cities. It's just it's almost scary to look at those pictures. But the good news is this is temporary, but the way we act will let us know how temp, like how soon we can get back to normal. My hope is only a couple more weeks because I'm going crazy indoors. <laughs>
1: what a couple of questions for you because this was really popping up a lot a lot a lot over the weekend and I'm just it's such an unpopular opinion and I've been trying to like throw it out on Twitter figure out how I'm going to project this because I know a lot of people strongly disagree but I am not a rewatch games guy I cannot re-watch games even if even if it's a 2012 title game like I'm just so much on like chasing number nine and like what this next game looks like Even from this season, like I feel like I can just omit things from my memory. So, so you weren't on board this weekend. I saw a lot of people, especially watching the '92 game, just different March Madness replays. Like I just cannot do it. Like not even for five minutes. I don't. It just it makes me
0: uncomfortable for some reason. (laughs) So I'll, I'll say this: I am all for watching documentaries of seasons. Like as a as a Giants fan, I love watching. You know, the documentaries from 2007, 2011, Yankees, 2009, uh, et cetera. But I can't really get into watching a full game from top to start. I just, like, for me, it's it's almost like watching the same movie eight times where it's like, all right, you get the gist of it, whether it makes you happy. Now, I could watch, like, for example, the last drive of the Super Bowl that the Giants won, both last drives against the Giants and Patriots. But can I sit through a whole game Probably I, I just can't. I don't know. I don't find that. I don't get the same satisfaction out of it. I think it's kind of a be in the moment type of thing. I can watch highlights. I can watch documentaries. I can watch bits and pieces of it. But yeah, no, I I was not one of the people around the TV watching all these full reruns. I I think it's a. I think it's a good idea. It's a clever idea. Um, and I'm all for it. But at the same time, I just can't get around it like some of the other people are.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of getting to the point where. I'd like to show my daughter now that she likes basketball more or my wife or something like those nineties games of like Tony Dilk and some of those players. I could see myself doing that, but in the Cal era, it just, all I can think about is how it finished. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> it's, it, you just, yeah, I I don't know. I can't, fa- I, <laughs> I've been at a loss of words really all week, but those, we were actually just talking about it on the BBI. Like, um, I think it's different if you've never seen the game. Like, I don't know if you've seen some of these reactions of kids watching the Christian Leitner shot and not, not just saying like that. It's so, I think for them, whether they're a Kentucky fan or not, that's kind of cool. If you've never seen a game and like, it's the game, your parents or your buddy, the older friend or whatever it always talks about, that's different. But watching these games, like, I don't know, the 2012 Super Bowl, whatever, whatever it might be. I, I can't get into it the same
1: yeah I'm with you I I just I don't I didn't even like following I mean everybody on Saturday and Sunday was live tweeting these these old games and more power to them I wish that I could kind of just disconnect and like get in the feeling and want to watch that but I've been so opposite man I've done anything just to stay away from trying to recreate sports I guess like was what everyone's trying to do and I just I've been kind of running from it, but again, it's been good. I noticed that my screen time on my iPhone was down by like 21% last week, which is huge. Yeah, mine was. So too. There, are, there are some benefits. And it's crazy too, man. Like what does every single American and really press around the world say or, or think at least all the time, which is, man, I wish I couldn't do anything, but just like chill in the house, watch Netflix, hang out, eat. And now everybody pretty much is forced to that luxury. And, um, but it is, man, cabin fever is a real thing. And especially if you have kids and oh, stuff. Yeah. So I'm hoping the weather stays, stays nice over, you know, it looks like we're going to get some warm weather, but what are you doing? That was my next question for you, Aaron is um, what, so what are you doing? Like kind of what's your routine now? I know you're not going to, to class and stuff. So like, how are you staying
0: in um, insane and stuff? Like what are you doing to fill your time? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, school is online. So I have that and, you know, getting through work a little bit every day. Uh, doing a little more writing on BBI, a little bit for a sea of blue. Um, and honestly, other than that, I'm here, I live alone. So my girlfriend comes in and out. Uh, the friends that are here, I'll try to see um, when possible, but got to play it safe, obviously, especially those who went away during the spring break and all that. Um, a lot of my friends went home. Uh, the only reason I'm here is actually my parents and I talked it over and felt Connecticut slash New York where I am is really the epicenter of this whole, um, outbreak in the United States. And we just felt for me, uh, it'd be safer to stay here for a little bit and I'm all for it. So for me, just getting schoolwork done, writing and trying to keep busy, whether it's working out, um, going out, uh, taking a walk or playing video games or whatever, I'm just trying to stay busy and again, pass the time until this thing ends. And I'm really hoping it's, uh, only a couple more weeks because the cabin fever is real. <laughs> Oh,
1: man, I'm telling you, and it's its just crazy, man. All the scientists, everything that's going is kind of like, you know, this could be a month's and month's things, and I just keep going back. I'm like kind of titling up some of our stuff like for the podcast now, and I put like the new normal is not normal. Like it's just, Mm. uh, it is just so, so unique, man. But again, I'm trying to see the positives in it. It's kind of nice when you're home and you're like, well, hell, I can't do anything else. So you don't feel bad about just sitting around. So there's some inherent positives, I think, but it's definitely kinda of crazy um times right now. Another thing too, I yeah, was gonna bring this yeah. up at the end, but since, since we talked about um kind of like you mentioned documentaries and rewatching games, did you see I am excited for this, the the Rex Chapman um E sixty that's coming out um on Friday. Have you seen that?
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Obviously, Rex um getting to know him a little bit. I've talked to him a couple times, and just his whole story is fascinating. And I think how they're portraying it is like the three if you can correct me if I'm wrong but it's the three lives of Rex where I think that's how they're Uh, kind of doing it where they're going to go through the stages of him obviously as a basketball star and then obviously at the downfall with the opioid addiction he fell into and his trouble with the law and then how he overcame that and to kind of how this whole blocker charge thing he created on social media has kind of brought him back to life in a sense and obviously he's been a lot more involved again here at UK. So um, I think that's how they're doing it. Might be wrong, but obviously um, now that I know him a little bit, I'm really, really curious to see uh, the work that ESPN put together there. Usually E60s are uh, fascinating and on point.
1: Yeah, I like the E60s too because they're very real and unbiased. It's not even even like a 30 for 30, you know, kind of tries to sway things one way or the other. It's a documentary, but those are pretty factual. So I'm sure – We'll hear some stuff we knew, maybe learn some other stuff. But now that you've mentioned that, Aaron, I haven't actually – Rex is like one person in Kentucky media, like maybe one of the only ones. I feel like that I've never spoken to him. I've never talked to him. I've never really – he's always down there on the court, you know, before games. But, you know, he's doing his radio and stuff. But he'd be one guy that I'd really love to talk to because he inspires me a lot. You know, not only his story, but just like how comfortable he can be in his own skin. And like even on his Twitter, Mm -hmm. you know, he'll push the boundaries. Even if it's something I don't agree with. I can just appreciate that, like, he just is who he is, and I'm sure we'll see a, even more of that probably with um, the E60. And, and the two of us will definitely probably learn some stuff about like, his early time at Kentucky and early in his career since, you know, guys, that was back in the, you
0: know, late 80s type stuff. Yeah, no, he's a, his whole story is really is just fascinating. And, yeah, it, I really can't say enough. E60 and 30 for 30 – um all those are just so, so good. They do such a good job, and I'm not sure which. um Usually it's kind of like the guys who do Outside the Line, so Jason Stark now is one of the big guys for that. There are a couple other journalists who put these together, so I'm really interested to see who it was that put it together. I think it, that's already been released, but I, I don't know. The whole thing should be fascinating. It should, it should.
1: All right, real quick before we get going, I want to really break down, I guess I don't know if breakdown is the right word, but just kind of give really initial high-level um predictions and kind of things on next year's roster, who stays, who goes, how the freshmen have an impact, because let's yeah. face it, we're going to be talking about that shit for a long time. Um But I'm excited because I hadn't thought about it too much. I want to see what you think. Um But before we get into next year's roster on the Cats by 90 podcast, let's take a quick commercial break here. All right. And we're back. Cats by 90. Drew Brown, Aaron Gershon. So what is today? Monday, March 23rd. So we're just kind of rounding it into April and things are just going to be totally different this year. And like, typically, again, we, I keep harping on this. I realize that, but like, we have that closure with the tournament. And then from there, you know, the really at Kentucky, they don't do that too often, but I was going to say like the tiredest Maxes of the world, they declare, but we kind of know, you know, certain people are gone. And then this yeah. process will start, you know, where more guys than you think typically will go get feedback. Oh, why are they going to get feedback? Well, because they should now. That's how it works. Um, And then we'll kind of go and, you know, the dominoes will start falling a little bit on who's coming and who's going back. It, it looks very, very probable that we will not get that same experience and that same kind of chronological. Here's what's going on. Here's what you can do. Here's when you have to decide to go back. So I definitely think that's going to play a role in what ne- next year's roster looks like do you think it'll be positive or negative the fact that these guys probably won't be able to get any feedback and just decide to go to the draft
0: or not, basically? Mm. You would think that would lean guys who are kind of 50-50 or, you know, kind of, I don't know, not close, whether it could go either way. You would think it would encourage those players to stay. But at the same time, what's interest, the interesting thing about this year is it's a pretty, overall, it's not the strongest draft class. Um, you have a lot of guys. There just wasn't many, you know, there wasn't much star power in college basketball this year. That was the story of the year, right? There was no super team. There was no Zion Williamson where, you know, all cameras were on one player at the same time. So it's going to be really interesting to see if that has a factor in it. I'll say this. I think it's the most, just based on, how this Kentucky team performed. Overall, really great season, but it was, they were an inconsistent group, even though they only lost six games. Uh, m- my point is that really outside of Emmanuel quickly, uh, the, from the Louisville game on, you never really knew what you were going to get. Even Nick Richards, uh, really in the month of February had struggles. I mean, overall great season, but he had ups and downs. Ashton Higgins, we all know what happened at the end of the year. Um, Tyrese Maxey had a slow start. He really caught on, I thought, at the end and kind of solidified himself as the one guy that's a lock um, to leave and be a lottery pick. But it's such an interesting group. I think it's as it's just so unpredictable what these some of those guys who are on the fringe are going to do because they don't have that feedback. And also, the other thing to keep an eye on is Cal Perry has already signed six guys for next year, and we're not even done with putting together the 2020 class necessarily. I think there's no doubt about it they need another big man. Um whether I I'd think Nick will go, but even if they get Nick in my opinion you probably still need another big. Um so it's really really interesting this time around and I think it's going to be there're going to be surprises and there's going to be um a lot of just a lot of things people aren't expecting because it's just wacky with not having the feedback and just kind of where these guys stack up. And if you look at the mock drafts, the only one you see consistently in the first round is Maxie.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's funny every year it's, it doesn't, well, let me rephrase that it should go how you expect, but it's like the fan base never absorb it absorbs it as an expectation when like, and that just, as an example, like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I think I remember being like, you know, enjoy a man quickly because he's gone. And just so many people were just like, You know, I I can understand if you make a case that he should come back because I could make a strong case of what I think we'll get into that in a second. But it's like you're absolutely delusional if you just think that it's a foregone conclusion that he's back and maybe take it a step further that he's silly if he leaves because the dude's the SEC player of the year. So he finished the season averaging just over 16 points a game, shot almost 43 percent from three point line, which included 62 makes um you know had a pretty good assist to turnover ratio he can rebound the basketball pretty well to over four four rebounds a game was finishing the to me what was most impressive was how he was finishing at all three levels he was scoring in the lane he was making mid-range yeah. and as we know he was hitting from deep so um one i don't know i sure somebody's defender. doing this research right yeah his, his defense was if nothing else really coming on strong towards the end too and i know he put the clamps on some of the the better players that oh, kentucky yeah. played but It'll just, I guess, be interesting to see. And Do you know, has anybody said anything, or have you seen this yet, Aaron? Has an SEC player of the year ever
0: returned to Kentucky? I can't think of one. That's a great question. I'd have to research it. Um, my guess is not recently, if it has happened. Um, but it's just, it's just weird, because it, I think what is so interesting, if he were to come back, is next year you're probably not going to have Tyrese Maxey. Ashton Higgins, I just have a feeling given the circumstances of Yeah, Maxie's gone. That's the one given. Um with all the uncertainty with Hagens and the messiness at the end, and the fact that we both know, everyone knows, and he made it clear, his goal coming in here was to be a one and done. That didn't happen. So would he really come back for a year three, especially if there's a little bit of bad blood between him and Cal and whatever? Um so what that would mean is Emmanuel would probably be your starting point guard next year because, remember, he's a point guard. That's his natural position. So it would give him a chance to just, uh, show what he could do on the ball. Uh, we know what he could do off the ball as a shooter and getting into the lane. But now, you know, see him maybe get a little more creative as a passer and still get into the lane and create his own shot a little more than, you know, being a catch-and-shoot guy. So I think that could only help him coming back. I don't think he's a guy where he could really lower stock, but obviously the one way anybody can lower their stock, whether they're Zion Williamson or they're, you know, just a fringe should I stay or go guy is injury. So you also got to think about that. But he, he just the guy he is based on his faith and some of the ways he's talked about finishing things, I, I just would not be surprised. I think if there was a tournament and he performed at a high level during it, um he'd probably definitely be a goner and maybe even a late first-round pick. Right now, if I had to make a prediction, gun to my head, I'd say he's back.
1: Woo! Man, good for you. You're getting, you're getting me hyped. A couple of things I want to unpack there. One, <laughs> I don't want to get into this. I really don't. I just want to make a comment. But, oh, damn, man. I just can't can't believe that. I mean, I pers- I think Hagens is gone. And if he is gone, dude, I, man, just the way his career ended at Kentucky. Oh, my gosh. I mean, he just went from weeks before that snafu, you know, didn't get to travel to Florida, probably suspended or whatever, to yep. being like a fan favorite. Like this guy's like led to no A, was, you know, playing lights out, you know, certain parts of the season. So that's a shame, but who knows what we'll to see. Maybe that, you know, weighs on his decision. And who knows, maybe he does come back. Um, just, I'll just kind of go down the list. And then um, maybe you can kind of do the same or let me know if you agree with me. So Tyrese Maxey's gone. Deuces had a great freshman year. I think he was built for the NCAA yeah. tournament. It is a terrible oh, shame we'll never know damn how shame. that's going to go. Absolutely. Uh, but Maxey finished averaging exactly 14 points a game, too. That's uh let me see their total points. That's so funny. Him and Nick basically I think score the exact same amount of points this year. <laughs> yeah, how about so, that? So, yeah, they both uh, are two different, 435 and 433. So – yeah, they were right there, and then um just based off what we just talked about, I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back, but just with the studs that are coming in, which we'll talk about, and just kind of, I don't know, man, just his bizarre attitude and the way that it was, not having a chance to kind of reconcile that up and get back with the team on the court, Um, I'll just say he's gone, won't be surprised if he comes back, Nick Richards, I'm saying the same thing, I mean, he's such a different case to me than Emmanuel Quickly, which is... You know, people were expecting Nick Richards out of high school to come in, be a one and done. We're just waiting and waiting oh, and waiting, yeah. you know, eyes on him and quickly kind of just was swept under the rug. And to me, it's almost like I feel like he's almost would be coming back for like his sophomore season as far as like pro- professional implications go, if that makes sense. But I got quickly gone. Richard's gone. I'm just trying to use history as an indicator. These guys always leave when we think they're coming back for the most part. Then that yeah. to me is where it gets tough, um, with EJ Montgomery. Cause I just don't know. I wouldn't, I've done this. What this would be the third year in a row. I've done this with EJ now. Um, as far as, you know, just projecting if he's going to stay at Kentucky, do something else, transfer, go to the pros, whatever. Um, so, but the opposite of Ashton Hagens, I feel like as far as, um, kind of his, his mindset, his attitude and kind of he, how he felt about his place in the program towards the end, I could just see him coming back and really trying to tear up a junior year. Yeah. And, you know, potentially working his way into, you know, being drafted as well. So, um, what do you got? Do you do you disagree with me at all on any of those? And then, obviously, I think everyone else is back. Keon, Johnny, you know, yeah. I guess always transfer risk there. But I would expect them both back.
0: Definitely expect them both back. I thought – I said for a while I wouldn't be surprised if Ju Juzang was a transfer guy. But kind of the way he carried himself toward the end of the year and just the way he talked to at least me and the rest of the media – I don't get that sense anymore. I think he's a guy um that is committed to this. He's all in. So I I definitely expect him back. Same for Keon, who I am still super, super high on. I think, you know, we saw him hit a couple threes at the end of that Florida game in the comeback to the end of the year. Um I if he develops that, I mean, good luck. He is gonna be so, so special in my opinion. But yeah, I'd agree with pretty much all of it. I think as of now it's still like we talked about earlier, I think Emmanuel quickly um is back if the decision was made right now. That's my opinion. Um I think Nick like is kind of just as, as much as I think he would be fine coming back for a senior year and I know he's not showing up on draft boards right now. I think he's kind of I think he is what he is at this point and at a pretty pretty good center with his size and you know, his attitude definitely has a very good chance to be successful at the NBA level. He might be a guy that takes a little longer to get there, but that's kind of not been a problem for him. You know, he's grown and it, you know, you don't have to be instant. Uh, you don't have to be amazing instantly, uh, at any level. So I think he's probably going to go. Um, I would lean just because of what's going. I, I think if Ashton Higgins, it's a, like you said, it really is a shame. It's going to end on a sour note, but I just given his personality and everything, I would. I'd be really surprised to see him come back um at this point in time. And then, I guess, am I missing somebody? EJ, EJ. I think that he's probably, I think it's good that he's been around both P.J. Uh, Washington and Emmanuel quickly, Uh guys who have decided to come back. I'm sorry, P.J. Washington and Nick Richards, two bigs who have come back and had success in the third or second year. Um Obviously, he was with Nick for two years of growth. I think that um, should teach him that coming back is a good thing, and it is okay to come back. There's no shame in being a three and done or whatever. I'm um, kind of follow the Nick, kind of I like to call it the Nick Richard slash Willie Collie Stein uh, three-year track, and that's just fine. So I think he will come back. Uh, I I would assume now with the whole assuming they keep the rule with all the crazy stuff going on in the world that you can test the waters, hire an agent, and then pull out. I would assume he goes that way. I wouldn't be surprised if, really, everyone but Maxie, I think Maxie will just go, goes that way and then makes an educated decision once they kind of have a better feel of things. But, yeah, I would say I'd say the guys you expect back are definitely Keon and Johnny. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Emmanuel back, and I wouldn't be surprised at all to see EJ back. Other than that, I think you're probably... A, Looking at the six freshmen and hopefully a big, whether it's a transfer or one of these um, high school kids still on the board.
1: Do they? I wonder what the scholarship situation is like because we just made a case that every single person could come back but Tyrese. And
0: then let's go through the 2020 commits, which go ahead. Well, real quick, there is still, it's still possible. They're still weighing this option. There hasn't been any, whether you agree with it or not. Um, They could grant winter athletes. An extra year because they didn't get the postseason. Now, I, I we had they were John play not us. doing that right. They are, but it's still open. March 30th is when we'll know. Okay. Um, and I talked to John Clegg uh, the Herald Leader, obviously a legend around here. He is unbelievable. Uh, all UK sports, but um, he he I agree with him. He doesn't think he thinks because it is a shame that they obviously didn't get to go through the postseason. Um, and all that, but he does think that it's probably they got a full regular season where these spring athletes who absolutely deserve um, another crack at things um, only got a couple of games in some cases, so it's still possible. And if that happens for Kentucky, it's a guarantee Nate Sistine is coming back, uh, John Calipari said, and I'm not surprised because Nate Sistine is not an NBA guy. Uh, if he continues to further his basketball career, it's probably going to be overseas. So coming back, and let's face it, Kentucky needs depth in the front court. It would help Kentucky to get him back. So that is a – it's a small possibility, but it is possible, and you got to keep an open mind until it's ruled otherwise. You could have a Nate Sestina back too.
1: I think that's probably one of the – if the biggest issue with allowing these other players, you know, fifth mm-hmm. and sometimes sixth year eligibility, is that, is that scholarship number, Yeah. And then, too, I was thinking from the beginning, like, if they do that, like, let's say, you know, a player like Nate Sistine or something, they're, you know, finishing up their career at Bucknell, and they're a 100 points from being the all-time leading scorer, and, like, stuff like that would just be so skewed, so I don't know how you would do it, and it's just a shitty situation, and it sucks for those involved, but I'll be blown away. I think it's pretty much foregone conclusion that they they won't do that, but as far as the guys coming in, man, and it's like every time I go to look at this, I forget about somebody Because, damn, they're bringing in, I mean, six bona fide players. And I'm trying not to make the Khalil Whitney mistake and get too excited. And uh, maybe better way to put it is, like, locks on certain people. But, damn, man, I didn't even realize Terrence Clark has worked his way up on 24-7 sports to the number four player in the country, the number one guard, (laughs) like, amazing number one shooting guard. We know B.J. Boston has just been shredding um, all summer, and I think – He's probably now the player I think fans are most excited to see, and, you know, that could be that potential, you know, lottery pick too as well. Then we know Devin Askew is going to, you know, likely be running the show at point guard. Isaiah Jackson, man, I've been seeing some freak highlights from him, kind of like Marcus um, Lee-esque, a stick, throwing a potential, hopefully a great rim protector. Um, I think that'll help Kentucky a lot. And then the most forgotten by far, because I feel like I used to say Caramon Fletcher, but he's starting to get a little – Bit more accolades i know jack pilgrim from our boy from ksr went down there and stuff to, to see him play but lance Ware, man mm-hmm. and i got and i got so much positive feedback this winter at, at those tournaments that i was at um about lance Ware and just like just him just straight up oozing potential and um you, you know one of those guys that's just like one summer and then the following summer is just like a totally different player and that was a trajectory he's on so the either way no matter what we we just discussed returning, man. The Cats are going to be straight-up loaded next year.
0: Yeah, they'll definitely be, and they're going to reload. And I think, again, it'll kind of be – I think it'll be pretty similar to this year where you're going to get guys that come back, and you're obviously going to have a pretty large group of newcomers. Obviously, next year's large group is going to be closer to that 2017 team with Knox and Alexander and Branderbelt and on and on. But you're also going to get more returners than usual, which is a good combination in my opinion. Um, I think I'm really impressed the most by B.J. Boston. I know it's kind of the easy pick, but not only is he on the floor playing against the best of the best in high school basketball at Sierra Canyon with LeBron's kid and everyone's kid seems to be out there, but really impressed with um he went on Twitter. I think it was last week and was saying, hey, I've been thinking about the BBN and how bad he feels that they don't get to watch a tournament run this year and how excited he is to embrace them and play in front of them next year. And to me, that's a mature because you don't get, you don't see that from every kid because this fan base is so crazy <laughs> where they will love you no matter what, but they will also hate you in moments and they will go on social media and rip kids, which is not always the case um, at other schools. Cause these are kids, but these kids get criticized more than, your average kid that's for dang sure but he already seems to be embracing it uh i think he will be a huge success here i'm not saying he's going to be the next anthony davis or next star freshman that's a lock to be a top 5 pick but i definitely think he could be similar to tyrese was this year if not a little better
1: i think the biggest difference to guy and we'll, I, i'll do this comparison a lot moving forward between a guy like BJ Boston and, and Khalil Whitney, who I'm not going to call the kid a bust, but you know, didn't, wasn't what we expected it you know, didn't pan from out. The, the summer fall. <laughs> right. Didn't pan out. I think the biggest differentiator in those two players is that BJ Boston can certifiably handle the ball. He's a great ball handler yeah. at his size. So, and, and that's not going to change. You know, he's only going to become a better ball handler. So his ability just to create his shot, I think is is what's most exciting. And one thing too, that sometimes I feel like doesn't get talked about enough is like, the kids coming from Sierra Canyon with LeBron and D Wade, and you know just by far the with Bronny on, you know all that kind of stuff. Like the spotlight, the lights are there. Like I think he knew what he was doing. You know, talking to Big Blue Nation. Like I feel like he's ready to be a pro, and he's going to come here, you know, looking to get that type of development and basically just fit in great.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, and I, I think he's just going to embrace everything here. It really, I. And he's already been, like you said, he's played with LeBron's kid. He played. So that means LeBron is in the gym watching him, you know, every once in a while. He, LeBron's big on supporting his kids and being there. Uh, D Wade's obviously retired. So he's there all the time. So he's already playing in front of those guys, um, watching him. I think he'll be just fine, uh, here, uh, where others like Khalil Whitney, as you mentioned, even Quad A Green, not that he transferred, just you could tell. I thought with him that something was off or not everyone can live up to it. It's kind of like, I like to compare it to, you know, obviously being a New York guy, not there are guys who simply can't handle playing in New York, whether it's the Yankees, the Mets, or football, whatever sports, they're simply guys where the pressure in New York is too much. It's the biggest city in the world, meaning they're the most fans are there. The harshest critics are there. And some guys you'll see, stink up the joint when they're playing for a New York team, then they'll get traded or sign elsewhere and they'll be amazing. And I feel like that's kind of how it goes at Kentucky too, where it's a mindset. It's a way about how you carry yourself, how you play and how you handle the pressure and the media and all that. So, and I think that Boston's a kid that'll be just fine. Um Obviously I would think Terrence Clark the same, just because he's such a highly rated guy and, you know, he's kind of the number – Massachusetts is not necessarily known for being a powerhouse uh, basketball state, so he's kind of the top guy in that region out there. So I think he'll be fine, but you just never know how kids are going to deal with it because at the end of the day, these kids are three years younger than me, meaning they're really young.
1: Terrence Clark, too,
0: man. <laughs> I mean, I think that – said, I've said like a – I don't
1: know, maybe last summer or something that, you know, I think – think that he has number one pick potential and I'll stand by really with both those guys I'm not predicting that or anything but I think they both have the pedigree um to come in here and have a monster season and who, can you imagine those two guys playing alongside a lethal scorer like Emmanuel quickly though I mean this next season has the chance to just be absolutely stupid and I'm going to do a little research for next week and see um what the scholarship numbers do look like because I don't know what they do I mean if again we made a case for every single player to come back um, pretty much except Tyrese Maxey. So, like, what do they yep. do? I mean, they got six guys coming in, only Nate leaving. So,
0: it's going to be weird. I don't, I don't know. I mean, well, I, I know this happens a lot. one thing to keep in mind lot. is, yeah. One thing is Cal never fills his roster completely. So, there is always a couple open spots that are not filled. Yeah. And, Dante, and I know they and they don't don't one thing we that. haven't even mentioned, Dante Allen's going to be healthy. And I don't yeah. really I, I'm really, really interested to see how he plays because there are kids from Kentucky like Derek Willis and Dominique Hawkins. And I would assume it's going to be the same thing where Allen's probably going to be a four year guy. And obviously he got the redshirt year this year. Um, so he's got four years ahead of him. And I'd assume he's kind of just going to be a guy who kind of rides the bench, gets limited minutes the first couple of years and then maybe develops into a real role. But I'm, I mean, The thing is, with Kentucky, as great of a state as it is and a basketball powerhouse, the competition in his region, at least, was not the cream of the crop per se. So I'm really curious to see how he plays um, against, obviously, the top competition in college basketball. And just, I'm just excited to see him play. Really, I've never seen him play. And I don't know if this is going to play any factor in because
1: it needs to be. It should be a business decision, like every time, and. I know Calipari is, you know, the best at deciphering information and probably making recommendations and putting kids in the best position. But we haven't even talked about the fact of, like, them not getting that experience this year, knowing they had one of the better teams in the country, you know, finishing right around the top five team in most every final season poll. Like, maybe that will, you know, if if they're just 50-50 on the fence, you know, lean a player towards coming back, especially a Quickly or Richards where – you know they've been here a few years they know how special it is they're they know they're leaving a legacy and they've both been around long enough to know how much greater that legacy will be you know if they're able to get a final four or a national championship so should it will it factor in um i don't know and I, I think point. it's a little bit different this year because fans piss me off dude like they're already starting with nick richards <laughs> about like oh see how, see how much better he got he can get better next year like no duh, he can get better. He's going to get better no matter where he's at in the whole world if he's playing basketball. It's just a matter of like timing. Like, what is the best time? You know, he can only enter so many NBA drafts or whatever. So, and yep. that for that reason, is why I think he's gone. But again, you know, maybe if also, someone's 50, in the injury or something like that, they come back.
0: Yeah. What people really, I think, forget is the injury risk. I mean, if you're. If you get the feedback that you're, if you're Nick Richards, I think at this point you take it if you get drafted at this point, even if you're not a first round guy, because he's proven he could go and develop, whether it's on the NBA bench or in the G league for a half year, or year, whatever. But is the injury risk worth it for him? Or has he proved everything he could prove? In my opinion, he's proved everything he could prove. The reason I say a manual, it would be beneficial for him to come back is he can come here. And give, and he could show what he could do on the ball, where she hasn't done much here, where he hasn't, where, I mean, next year, you're probably looking to ask you as the only point guard on the roster if Emmanuel leaves. So you know, Emmanuel is your starting point guard if he comes back, because, you know, Cal want to ease ask you into it. So it's a really interesting predicament. And I get people saying that about Nick, but you've got to think of it that way. Is he proven everything? What he is at this point? Probably. So, is it worth going out to get better? Is it worth coming back to get better with the risk of an injury? Or do you go and secure that money and improve elsewhere? I'd say go get that money and improve elsewhere.
1: And it's just, you know, how much more can he really do? I mean, he could come out and dominate next season and stuff, but, you know, is it really going to change much for him? And I think you could make the case for quickly now that, like, man, he's on some radars now. People know he's a consistent, consistent scorer, shoots high percentage. Good defender, again, can score at all three levels to where he would have that chance to catapult his stock and you can make that case. And you could also argue it each way whether or not it's better to come back and play on this loaded team with all these superstars coming in or if it would be, you know, or if that would be more of a reason to go ahead and go and test the waters. But I know one right. thing, Aaron, we will have a good months and months to discuss this because it's about all of going to be to discuss for the
0: foreseeable future as we adapt to the new normal. That's my thing now, the new normal. Let's just – my big thing is I'm going to – I'm not going to exactly quote Dick uh Gabriel because uh, it's not necessarily – it's to the point where it's saying one curse word, whatever. But he – just don't let it mess with football season. Let's get football underway on time and have a full season mm-hmm. of that at least. I mean, this Kentucky season, football-wise, we'll probably dig into more the next few weeks. Is if you look at the schedule, having obviously the SEC East slate, you get to go to Auburn. You have Mississippi State and Mike Leach, um, two MAC teams that were in bowl games. It is a huge chance to prove uh, that this program is legit and is definitely trending upwards. Um, and to do it for a third straight year, this football season is, to me, the most excited I've been um, since I've gotten here. Even though, kind of new. Uh they were going to be much better the last year with Josh Allen and Benny. Didn't know it would be that good, but thought it would be pretty good. And then last year had a pretty good feeling. So just don't let it mess with our football season. Get it on time. I, I already hated enough that uh, the opening the game is going to be on the same day as Derby Day and they're going to have to compete. But just give us football on time.
1: I hear you, man. I think that's kind of where everybody's at is just seeing how long this is going to last, Stick it in you know, trying to hang to the fall and hopefully things get back to normal, but we're going to stay positive. I know, man, this was great yes. therapy for me. Hopefully we had some listeners. <laughs> Honestly, I, I said over the last few weeks, I've been kind of just dreading it. Like I just can't pop in back into place, but I really do. I'm feeling better. The world's still spinning. Um, Makes me really happy to discuss that. This absolutely stupid roster for next season. And, but I will catch you soon, man. We will definitely do this next week, and um, be safe out there, and hopefully you can kind of yes. acclimate everything and um, look forward to next time.
0: Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow Cats by 90 on Twitter, at Cats by 90. You can also follow Aaron and Drew at A Gershon 99 and at bigbluedrew33. And remember, no matter the opponent, it's always... Cats by 90.